The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome to episode number six of Doing the Nasty Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. Joining me as always, the co-host with the most, Mr. Andy Blockley from Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm doing great. Listen to that clean, clear connection. So crisp. So crisp. (laughs) For the listeners, I've had to come to my dad's house because my internet connection has been so bad for the last two episodes. Uh, I've uh, drove 30 minutes just so it's nice and crystal clear and not dropping out. That's dedication for you. Dedication. Yep, dedication to the cause to talk about some nasty movies on this podcast. I mean, we're on episode number six already. um, And uh, on this show, we're going to be discussing... Arguably, the, what, one of the movies that kicked off the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, when you're reading certain articles, a lot of people say that if it was not for Driller Killer, there would not have been a video nasty scandal at all. Really? Okay. Yeah, this is the one that apparently... The front cover of this video is basically the one that kicked it off. The most provocative front cover. Oh, yeah. This one, this one is about as blatantly... Um, exploitative as the front cover gets. This one had the, the, the infamous person getting a drill through their head. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an action shot of <laughs> just that. It's great. It's great. So yeah, on this show we're going to be doing uh, reviews of Driller Killer from 1979, Evil Speak from 1981, and Expose from 1976. So um, yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think this is one of the... Is this the last one before we do Faces of Death? Or yeah, have it sure is. Oh, and right. I'm, I'm so, angry that I've got to watch that. <laughs> I've never seen it. So, okay. No, have well, you? Yeah, if, I take it. If you like watching, I mean, we thought the animal violence was bad in Cannibal Holocaust. 
Uh-huh. This has got seal clubbing and all sorts of shit in it. Oh, goody. Yeah, great. Yeah. I don't feel bad about my life already as a human being on this planet. I know. Slowly raping the, the, you know, Mother Earth for her own benefits. Exactly. That a bit of seal clubbing will just cheer me up. Yeah, exactly, mate. Can't fucking wait. So that's downloaded and ready to go, uh, the Ugh. uncut version. I, I, I can't imagine what the cut version's like because all it is is a documentary on death, so... Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna. I'll, but I will find out next week just exactly what is cut out because I don't see what you can cut out of that without it yeah. not being a film anymore. But uh, yeah, that's next week. Oh, <laughs> goody, goody, goody. So yeah. So I think uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to take a quick break just now. Let's just get right into these ones. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break. You're going to hear promos for shows on the network. Um, at the end, we'll address the, our recent success. Again, two months in a, a row on Horophilia. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll we'll talk about that at the end, but it's, uh, it's a satisfying feeling. Uh, but yeah, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos. You're going to hear intellectual words about our first movie review, Driller Killer from 1979, coming up right after this. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is bigger. Well, we don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a like it? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. Babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm that it just melts in your mouth. Do the kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horophilia Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. Just the title and the cover of the video were uh, what made it such a notorious film. The film came out in 79, but Fipco released the video in 82. And I would have been, um, I guess, around 15 years old at the time. And I went and rented it from my local video store, attracted, obviously, by the cover and thinking I was going to see something like uh, a Herschel Gordon-Lewis film. That was certainly the kind of film that I was expecting. And right from the first shot, which showed a man who I now know now, but I didn't know then, was the director, Abel Ferrara, walking into a church. Uh, I could see that this was something uh, quite different from what I had expected to see, something much more intense. And I recall, I, I was so impressed with that, but I was absolutely convinced uh, that this film was not originally called The Driller Killer. It seemed to me so sophisticated that I was sure it must have been called something else and had been retitled The Driller Killer for its video release. And I, I spent some time trying to find out what the original title was, but of course, as it turns out, it was The Driller Killer. See Jimmy Lane as Reno Miller. A man driven to the very edge. And then beyond. The driller killer is coming, 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 coming. Just a wonder. And welcome back. So up first on the show, we are going to be discussing, like I say, the one that kicked it all off. Um, from what I uh, managed to um, 
uh, check out from just various different publications, etc. Um, the general consensus is that the front cover, the video case front cover to Driller Killer, which, uh, like we said, is pretty much an action shot of someone being drilled in the head and the blood cascading down their face. As he screams in agony. Yeah. <laughs> As he screams in agony is what basically brought the whole kind of the whole thing to the attention of particular right-wing groups, uh, which later took it to the authorities and um, got the law passed. Okay. Um, so we is, talked about Cannibal Holocaust being the poster child, but this is literally the poster child then? This is, yeah. I mean, basically, whenever you look at any article which refers to the video nasties in the newspaper, you either got a... You either got the cover of Cannibal Holocaust or you got the cover of Driller Killer. And that was basically what they latched on to. But I suppose um, the name as well is uh, probably what flagged it up. And then the cover yeah. just made it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you could have... Uh, I, <laughs> I suppose, yeah. The Driller Killer, this sounds like, oh no, they're killing <laughs> someone's head. Oh, fuck. <laughs> worse than we thought, shit. So uh, this movie came out in 1979, it was directed by Abel Ferrara, who um, is quite an interesting director actually, after this one, um, the guy, uh, this guy did, has had not a bad career. Um, I like I mean, some of his stuff, I like uh, King of New York, I like Bad Lieutenant's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss 45. Do you know what, I've got that and I've not watched it yet, but that is... Oh dude, you're going to love that movie. Yeah, I can imagine that's pretty good from what I've read. Fucking great! I really, really, really like that. Um, yeah, he's a uh, he's he's an interesting di- uh, director. He did Bad Lieutenant as well, the original, not the 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 remake from a couple of years ago. He did the original one, which I really like as well. It's got really good performances. So this I've is seen the remake, but it's Nicolas Cage, isn't it? That's put me off. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's actually not as bonkers as you would expect from Nicolas Cage. He's, okay, Nicolas Cage is playing more in keeping with a. Uh, with the sort of role that he's doing. He's not going full cage. Right, he doesn't go full. Not the bees! Because when I hear the words Nicolas Cage and remake, I fucking run a mile normally. (laughs) (laughs) Not the bees in my eyes! Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh my God. I I mean, X, I love you over at Kiss the Goat. I love you, but I, I still can't believe you defend that movie. I, can't, I just can't, no, can't do it, can't do it. Uh, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> Driller Killer was directed by Abel Ferrara. Uh, the movie's synopsis, as listed on IMDb, is an artist slowly goes insane while struggling to pay his bills, work on his paintings, and care for his two female roommates, which leads to him taking to the streets of New York after dark and randomly killing, killing derelicts with a power drill. Yeah. Um, this movie, I mean, that makes it sound a lot more sinister and dark than this movie actually is. And surprisingly, coming back to watch it for the show this week, and this is the first time I've seen this movie in fucking years. I think this might only be the second time I've seen Driller Killer. Okay, I think it's um, only my third, probably, yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw it was circa 2000, 2001, when I was working at the video store. I think it hadn't been that long kind of released out on DVD. Okay, I, I think I caught it on, do you know the horror channel, the free channel in, in England? Yeah, yeah. I think I just caught it on there one night late at night. It was the first oh, time I saw it. Which just shows how far we've come because that's the free view television channel and yeah. I think it was on in its full uncut entirety, you know, on British telly about 11 o'clock at night now. 
Yeah, and the 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 beauty of um, the the way the licensing laws work just now is it's actually out with copyright in America now, so you can watch it free on YouTube with no no uh, re- uh, chance of anyone beating down your door and demanding yeah. you pay royalties or money. It can be streamed free now. So uh, yeah, so I mean that's just one of those things. The 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 liability situation is is long since gone. I don't know if that's the case in the UK. I probably doubt it. Um, but yeah, the, the funny thing about this movie, going back to watch it, is how art house this movie actually is. It's totally art house, yeah. It really, really fucking is, and um, it can be a bit, it can be a bit a uh, graphic when it wants to be. But what I really like about this movie, first and foremost, is the kind of uh, the the realism and the way the acting's handled. Yeah, I, I mean the characters are really. If I did not know better, I would think that these were proper method actors and actresses in this movie. See, I didn't realise until only a couple of days ago, and I was looking into this, that he is Reno, Abel Ferrara. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, I totally didn't realise that, and he's great. I mean, he, I don't think he's really ever acted before, but he's, mm-hmm. I think he's so perfect for this role. He just, yeah. he just does the weirdness to perfection, and I don't know if that's because he doesn't really know how to act. Whether I don't know if it's just a happy accident, but it, for me, it's, it's just perfect the way he plays that role. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I love. I actually really enjoy the. The, the the kind of the journey that you go with that character yeah. and his descent into to, to madness basically because um, there's a lot of I mean we get a lot of that nowadays when you watch certain movies you kind of follow a character's eventual decline into insanity and mm. in horror movies when they're trying to cover the serial killers or, or, or whatnot um, a lot of them feel forced it feels like quite a bit of a jump for a character to go from what they're doing to this like insane level of of madness that they go to but the 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 kind of downward spiral the progression of the character in this movie is just perfect i think Uh, i I mean it's not as nasties go this one uh, is kind of tame in comparison to some of the ones we've already discussed yeah but that doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean you know that it it doesn't still have like a purpose. I'd like genuinely think of all right of all the movies. This is probably the one that didn't really deserve to kick off the nasties. No. But I, in the same way, I kind of imagine that someone sitting down who wasn't familiar with one art house cinema or two kind of more graphic special effects could see this movie and really think it was something ov- overtly sinister just because of the way it's filmed. Um, and now I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can kind of see. I mean, that's the issue with a lot of art house cinema is if you're not accustomed to it, it can do your head in. It can really make you feel. Ins- I mean, one of the classic examples is Requiem for a Dream. Oh, fucking love which, that movie! It's a fucking amazing movie, yeah. but it's a, it's about as art house as art house cinema gets, and that's kind of why it messes. That's why it depresses and upsets and gets under the skin. Of so many people, it's not necessarily what's happening on the screen; it's the way it's presented. Yeah. Um. You know that kind of almost kind of overt realism in the face at time can upset people, mm. and I think, the, like I say, the way the characters behave, um, it just kind of carries on bringing that forward. I, I like the gore effects in this. I don't think they're oh, once again over the top. Um, no. I love the fact that it is like once again seventy nine. We've already had something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love the fact that it's power tools. 
Um, I love the fact it's a drill. I mean, how, how can you think of many movies where someone's been killed with a drill? Just one. Uh, the, in Stage Fright, she uh, drills through a door. Right, the, the killer drills through a door as the person's like holding it shut. Yeah. And I always remember that as a kid because I watched Stage Fright really young around a friend's house. And I shouldn't have really been watching it, I don't suppose. And yeah, I remember that scene really well where like he uh, pins the person to the door and then you just see their T-shirt like start swirling and get pulled yeah. back into them. Well, apart from that, no, not at all. I think the, the drill is a very underused power tool because it's a fucking <laughs> brutal killing yeah. implement, isn't it? Totally fucking brutal. Because I like, like halfway, well, about sort of half an hour into the film, like, an advert for this power pack comes on the telly, this like <laughs> portable power pack. And I think he's obviously been planning for ages. I really want to go and fucking kill people with drills. Well, how can I do it? Because I need a really long extension cord. And then this advert comes on the telly and he's so transfixed, thinking, oh, <laughs> my problem is solved. I can get, I'll go and buy that. It's only 19 99 Awesome, and then I can just go wild. Like, yeah, I can be a portable killer. Yeah, I can be a portable uh, killer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as as the 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 plot synopsis pretty much covers everything to do with the movie. Um, so it's not it's not the deepest of movies. It pretty much does what it says in the tin. In a lot of respects, like if you're watching something like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, um, when you watch that, basically to synopsize that movie, it's you're following a man who is going down the spiral of becoming a serial killer. It's kind of the same idea here. Um, I think, like I say, of all the movies we've talked about in the last couple of last couple of weeks, I would have to say that this one, to me, feels like a real legitimate movie. Like, you know, some of the other ones we've been watching recently have been parodies of, you know, of cannibal movies, which felt rushed and flung together. Yeah. Um, this genuinely feels like the guy has had a really cool idea for a script. Yeah, it's a bit gimmicky based on the whole driller, even the name driller killer. It kind of sounds like the sort of thing that you can imagine him sitting there having coffee in some cafe and someone doing some DIY in the background with a drill. Maybe making a noise too much, too you're too loud, and he's got a taxi driver on, and he's hearing yeah, yeah. Dream, and he's going, ah, I'll tell you what, I've got a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah, just throw those things together. Set in New York City, because that's where serial killers are in the late seventies. Um, pretty much all the way through the seventies, early eighties. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Maniac. Uh, but you know yeah, I, I think there is a similarity as well for me to Maniac as well. Yes, like even with the remake as well, I think. It's yeah. really similar to this. I really like kind of the gritty, grimy, dirty realism of New York. Yeah. See, when you when you think of New York nowadays, you think of this really like glitz, not necessarily glitz and glamour, but it's a fancy city. It's like London, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. Obviously, it's got its kind of murky parts, but in a film like this, it just makes it look like it is the last fucking place you would ever want to go. <laughs> yeah. How did I end up here? Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. Up. And it does. It plays a lot of part. It adds to the. The, the grit and the, the, the kind of realism of it, it feels like everything feels like it's been lived in. It doesn't feel like a set. No. It feels like everything has been lived in and occupied for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like I say, just small things like that, whether they're d- deliberate or accidental, just kind of sell this movie for me. Mm. It's... I, I coming back to watch it. I I really fucking enjoyed this movie. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, it kind of makes me think why, after seeing it the first time, I didn't want to watch it more. Okay. 
And I don't know if that speaks to what eighteen-year-old Duncan was like. Yeah, I mean, tastes um, do change. I appreciate stuff like this so much more. Now yeah, I'm kind of a little bit older. Like I remember watching like Taxi Driver and stuff when I was a bit younger, and just thinking, yeah, it was all right. But like, I watched Taxi Driver on Blu-ray um, about three months ago, and it's a fucking great film. And I think blows you away, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. And you need to be in that frame of mind for a long, long time. When I was sort of in my late teens. I was constantly searching for hack and slash kind of um, horror films. Like when I first watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at about 15, I was disappointed because I thought it was going to be Jason Voorhees with a chainsaw. Yeah. And and it wasn't. And, I, and that, that was a problem for me. But now that's up there with, I mean, that's where in, on my other podcast, we're doing a thing called The Ten Club where we're putting films that we think are like, a, you know, a 10 out of 10, a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw is probably going to be in there. And it wouldn't have been when I was 15, but now, and I think like Taxi Driver is another one and this, you know, Driller Killer is another one where I think the older I get, the more I'm going to appreciate stuff like this. And yeah, the more shit you watch as well, because I, you know, we are watching a lot of shit films. So <laughs> For this makes, show, yeah. Yeah, it makes you appreciate something like this. Mm. I think even more. Um, and you totally get on board with why he's losing his mind. I mean, it says at the beginning of the film, play this film loud. Yeah. And fucking like, if I was playing it loud, when his when that band who live next door to him come on, I've got to turn the volume down because they are so annoying. Mm. Like it's just the little things living next door to them, you know, the whinging flatmates, the fact that he, you know, he can't sell his painting, and then he's. I mean, I don't know who the Lenny Kravitz wannabe guy is who comes round <laughs> the painting. What a knob that, that guy is. Just little things that are slowly tipping him over the edge. And when he finally kind of cracks, and it's not that late in the film, he kind of loses the plot about 40 minutes in, doesn't he? The first kill is pretty early on. And like you say, it's not much of a leap. You can kind of see it. And I think the way Abel Ferreira plays the part, and like I say, I don't know if it's a happy accident, because I don't know how good an actor he is. I don't think he's really done anything since. Yeah. Just that really kind of like hangdog look on his face you know he's so perfect for the role because I don't think I think at the beginning of the film he's not far from losing the plot anyway is he I don't think it's like he was totally with it yeah yeah it's not yeah I think this deal. is yeah we, we, we are I think we are entering his life at kind of the breaking point oh, you, I get the feeling that this has been the culmination of, of several years of of this so yeah. did you know yeah, what um, Ferreira's first film was no. Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. <laughs> that sounds like a porno. It is hardcore porn. Oh, amazing. That's a. F- Why? See, there's another thing. Why, this guy clearly. That's like the coolest fucking. It's not like Anal Disaster 24 or some shit <laughs> like that. It actually sounds like like a really cool name for a porno. But apparently, know? like, it's very similar feel to stuff like. To the other films that we've talked about, like Badly Lieutenant, there's a very like you, you can almost tell it's an able for horror film, but it's just got hardcore porn in it. He's in it as well. Yeah, I really hope he's not in it as the star because I don't need to see. <laughs> but he is in the film, and it might be a cameo. I'm not sure, but that's the first thing he did, and then obviously he went on then to do this afterwards. Um, and there's quite a lot of our directors that have kind of done that. They've either started in porn or they've finished in porn. Yeah. Well, there's, I think the thing is, is that, well, that's exploitation cinema by its very nature is exploitative yeah. so I can imagine uh, that going that way I can imagine a lot of them you know being in a situation where they are surrounded by women with their tits out and stuff like that for, for, for visual effect and then just going the next step to you know well we might as well just have them 
fucking on screen, basically. Still the way. Yeah, yeah, it's still the next level of edgy cinema, even back then. Mm. So, so I mean, it's far more accepting now, in today's climate, to to for a director to say, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I'm a porn director, or there was a reality TV show not that long, well, say not that long ago, in the last ten years, which followed a fam a family of porn directors. Um, What's you know, that? One of these, uh, I, I will find it. It's like sex a family business or something. Okay. Um, and you know, th- th- these programs are now, you know, these things are are more widely accepted. You know what I mean? But back then, if you were a porn director, I would imagine you would be ostracized or seen as being quite edgy and out there. So. Mm. I mean, it's oh, weird because people so. do kind of slip it in there. I mean, there's a bit of hardcore vi- visuals in um, Antichrist, isn't there, at the beginning? Oh yeah, just stuck in there just for just for shock value. I think it's purely for shock value. But there's um, there's a film that I was thinking the other day because I have never seen this movie, and I thought, oh, I'm going to wait because I bet it will be on the list, and it isn't. And that's Caligula. You've never seen Caligula? I've never seen Caligula. I think I, did Arrow put? I think Arrow might put Caligula out. They have, yeah. Yeah, you should get it. I don't own the Arrow version, but I've seen it. What's that like? Eh, uh, it's alright. <laughs> it's not that good, no. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's another great example of kind of pushing the the social boundaries of... It's, it's like it's like a sexier equivalent of watching something like Sallow. <laughs> it's, it's like a sexy Sallow. Brilliant. Shit. Sexy Sallow. That's a seven point. Get that. Straight on Amazon when I finish tonight. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I remember seeing it and I remember going, well, I add it to my Arrow collection. I was like, ah, well, when I get to that point where I, Arrow's not putting anything in a couple of weeks and I'm itching for a purchase... I might pick it up from my collection then. I don't dislike it, but... Do you know what I've bought just uh, literally the other day? The um, Grindhouse three-disc edition of Cannibal Holocaust. Did you? I've been... I am tempted. It's region three. Is it? It says it's not. It says it's region A, but I looked into it and it's actually... I did did a bit of uh, looking around on the internet and it's actually region zero. There is no region code and it's great. It's... um, I managed to find it on Amazon. It was the last one they had. It was 15 quid. That's fantastic. And you get two Blu-rays and you get the soundtrack and you get like a a booklet and all sorts. I might just pick up. I might just pick it up anyway. Because they've just put out the Beyond as well and I don't know... Or they're about to put out the Beyond and I don't know what the difference between their version and the Arrow version is. Yeah, because I've got the really nice collector's thing, the Arrow. Yeah, I'm the same. Face and everything and that's great. Um, Ooh, so yeah, that's pretty good. And I can the the cheapest I can find it now is twenty five. So I just managed to bag it. But I just keep an eye on Amazon. I'm sure it will come up again for fifteen quid. But yeah, but yeah. The one thing is do. though, the hour long special, the the hour long documentary that's on your Shameless edition isn't on there. I wonder why that is. Wow, for fuck's sake! But there's loads of other new stuff, loads of interviews, and there's like uh, like panels, like panel discussions with all the actors and stuff. So. Hmm. Yeah, I need to I need to look into that because they're putting in quite a lot of cool stuff recently. In fact, it's funny how many of these companies now are just running with this this kind of idea that Arrow's been doing for for forever for ages. Yeah, because you can't, yeah. don't think there's a decent release of Driller Killer anywhere. Not yet. Certainly not, not yet. in the UK anyway. So I was looking out for it. I'm kind of hoping that something like 88 films pick that up or something. Yeah, that because cool. they seem to be. 
picking up the more obscure kind of uh, more obscure video nasties. So we'll wait. See, I'd like bringing it back on topic. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely one that I would like to own on Blu-ray. I think um, it's actually I would I would go as far as to saying it's one of my favourite movies that we've covered recently. Um, I just there's something about it that just kind of it grabs your attention. Um, if you really... ever thought um, going on the kind of American Psycho vibe that it might be all in his head? Um, I mean, there's certainly there's certainly there's there's certainly enough in there that you could maybe take that away from it. You know what I mean? There's it never really goes down the road of actually hammering out the the full on this has happened and the character himself. Uh, Certainly has a degree of psychosis that it could very well be. Yeah. Um, and even if that was turned out to be the right outcome for the movie, I don't think it would uh, lessen it for me. If you know what I mean, I don't no. think I would enjoy it any less. No. Or probably enjoy it any more. Um, I genuinely think it's of the ones we've watched in the first six episodes of this show, and one of my favourites, really fucking enjoyed coming back to it. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought it was really good. I probably would buy this one for the collection, because initially, when we first started doing this, I thought, right, I'm going to buy all of these films. Hmm. I'm not. I was the same. I'm definitely not. It's going to be a few. I mean, obviously, the huge collector thing is that people buy the original kind of big box versions um, which I kind of haven't really got any interest in because I don't even own a video player and a lot of them are in Betamax and that but yeah I mean any film that's really good that I kind of would want in my collection I'm definitely going to look at buying um, and this will be one of them when it when it comes out yeah it was uh, I enjoyed watching it yep and um, I'll go as far as to say I'm afraid it's just a it's just a slap in the wrist from me okay um I, I don't, I, and that's not to take anything away from it. I think it is gritty, and I think there is a, a high degree of realism in the movie. Um, I just don't think the actual content itself is anything on a level that would, would gain more than a, a slap on the wrists. And I would say it didn't deserve to be on the list. No. Do you know what I was thinking? Like, just this is the kind of gore hound in me would have been a really good effect because I was doing some drilling at the weekend, and it kind of made me think of it. Um, like, yeah. say you drill into something like wood, or I don't know, say something where the first bit you're drilling into is hard, and then there's something like soft behind you. You push in with the drill, don't you? And you get a bit of resistance, and yes. then all of a sudden the drill like jolts forward. When I would have liked to have seen that when he was like yeah. drilling through the guy's head, because if you're pushing a drill on someone's head, it holds on the shot for far too long, where the drill hasn't actually penetrated; it's just yeah. kind of done the surface. And I thought you could have it really easily with like a, you know the way they do with the like retractable knives. They could have done an yeah. effect where they pushed into his head and then the, and then you actually saw the drill like plunge into yeah. the brain. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't do that. And I think that would have been so easy to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. I think there's there, there is there is. I I don't know what sort of budget he was working with with visual effects, yeah. but I I don't think it would have cost. I would like to think it probably wouldn't have cost that much money to do something like that. No, it's um, been a lot more and it would have, I would have raised it definitely. In my opinion, if you'd seen a lot more of that, yeah. then it would definitely be community service. But because um, I can imagine yeah. a really brutal version of that, like where the guy's kind of screaming, and then as it plunges into the brain, like his eyes go all crossed and stuff. And it, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So if it, if that was in it, yeah, I would have gave it a bit of uh, community service. But it's, I mean, it's not. 
obviously for me, like there is something really horrible about being killed with a drill. Yeah. Because I imagine it's really fucking painful. But the execution <laughs> of it, you just don't see enough of that kind of brutality. And apart from the actual driller killings, there's not really a lot of other nasty stuff in there. So yeah, I agree with you, a slap on the wrist and I don't think it should have been on the list. I mean, I can see why it was, because it called the driller killer, and there's a picture of a guy having his fucking skull drilled on the front. So I can totally see why it was on the list. I just don't think yeah. it should have been. Oh, there we go. So, I mean, that's the first one down. Uh, that's a high recommend from both myself and Andy. We did post an incredibly clear copy of it, which you can download directly on your PC, directly from... YouTube, and yep. it was uncut, uh, so get on that if you've not seen it. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a fucking fantastically weird movie <laughs> from 1981. How this ended up on the list is fucking beyond me. No. I, mean, I genuinely don't have any clue. But it's from 1981, it's Evil Speak. Yep. You're going to hear some uh, promos, more wise words, and right back after this. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Please consider us your high priest and priestess of satanic cinema. Join us on our podcast, Kiss the Goat, which will drag your soul through some of the finest and worst devil movies of the last 50 years. Devils and demons, exorcisms and possessions, cults and rituals, dogs and cats living together. Is that a devil movie? Maybe. Sort of. I don't know, babe. We'll talk about it later. Join us on the Horrorphilia Podcast Network every other week as we don our hoods and cloaks and kiss, kiss the, the goats. It's a hell of a good time. I knew you were going to say that. Of course you did. It's in the script. The film stars Ron Howard's younger brother, Clint, who's also known as the star of TV's Gentle Ben, in a rather less gentle role um, as a, a bullied military cadet who gets his own back when he finds a way of summoning up Estebar the demon through his uh, computer and he then unleashes an army of wild pigs on all those who've tormented him. There's quite a lot of gory stuff in it. There's a football game uh, using a, a severed head um, and there's a very good exploding head at the end as well and there's a very sadistic scene where the uh, bullies slaughter poor old Clint's puppy. It's quite a fun movie. I think the Satanist stuff would have to be taken with a pinch of salt but um, if you're into it, well, it's got Anton's recommendation, so give it a try. Everyone's known a boy like Stanley Coopersmith. Evil speak. He's the kid everyone used to pick on. Screwed up for the last time, Cooper dick! Evil speak. You see, everyone thought Stanley was a joke. <laughs> An outcast with no one to turn to. You guys broke my catapult. You're gonna pay for that. No one except man's most advanced machine. Stanley used the power of man to call on the powers of evil. I, Stanley Coopersmith, command you! And all hell broke loose. Imbue these creatures with your strength and force. Let them avenge me.
speak. Remember that little kid you used to pick on? Well, he's a big boy now. And welcome back. Okay, so film number two of the evening is Evil Speak from 1981, directed by Eric Weston, also known as Computer Murder. Hmm. <laughs> Best name. <laughs> this was released in August 83, added to our famous list in March 84. Um, do you know who Anton LaVey is? Yes, I do indeed. Anton LaVey, head of the Church of Satan, apparently made it quite public that he thought this was essential viewing for Satanists. <laughs> so when you were saying, I haven't got a clue how this made the list, I think that's probably how it made the list. Because um, you know how people used to feel about Satanists in the yes. 80s. Um, because it's very strange. Like This film opens with almost like a Satanic cult kind of vibe. And that's the last you see of that isn't it? There's like a two-minute opening gambit. Yeah. And then the film completely changes tone. It does a total 180. And I almost think, did the people that were viewing these films watch that opening two minutes think, right, this is a Satan film, fuck it, get it on the list? I think so. I, I think that's the, the likelihood is they never went... Because if you get past that, it becomes... If you get past yeah. the first two minutes, what were you going to say? Like, it's just not... It's not like that at all. It goes off, isn't it? Like, just a, a, a painfully 80s-feeling high school movie, if you yeah. know what I mean. It just it kind of it drops right into just all the tropes that you see right throughout the 1980s in movies which would never have been touched. Because I was, for a, I was kind of confused. Because I, I knew this had Ken Howard in. And when it started off, all like cult vibe, I thought, I can't imagine where he's going to fit into this. Yeah. Because I hadn't, I'd not seen this one before, and I kind of had no clue. I think I heard Johnny Crew talk about it, um, <laughs> but I'd kind of forgotten what he said because I think it's one of his kind of really early episodes. So I was kind of thinking, oh, this looks all right when it first started, and then, like you say, it takes that massive one eighty. It's not the film that it kind of think leads you to believe at the beginning it's going to be. I can't even really remember the relevance of that opening scene. Um, and then we just kind of go to Clint Howard being tripped up on a football field. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he plays uh, Cooper Smith, who's called Cooper Dick, all the way through the film. Which is, uh, let's, let's be honest, is a pretty lazy nickname for someone, even if you want to bully them. It's rubbish. It doesn't make any sense, Cooper Dick. How does that, as you know... <laughs> I don't know. I would say if someone's like, oh, Cooper Dick, I'd be like, Cooper Dick, more like Super Dick, you know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, better. That's a good one. But I mean... Like, look, just look at the look at the guys who are bullying him. I mean, it's the freaking it's the dweebs bullying the dweebs, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Who are the one of them looks like Prince Charles? Like another one looks like uh, <laughs> he does look like Prince Charles. Like a grown up version of Chunk. <laughs> it's like I can't like who are you to be bullying him? Look at you, Jesus! Yeah. Like, look yeah. at the state of you. So. I mean, we, we, you know, it's just he's a nerd. He's getting he's getting picked on, and does he finds a book, doesn't he? Where he gets given a book, and, That's he, right. and he and he just decides that he's going to take revenge on these nerds. I mean, they're not really that bad in, until they kill his dog. I mean, as soon as a cute dog comes on the screen in a film like this, you think that's going to die. Yeah, that's the first thing you think of. You're like, oh, what? Oh no. Yeah. Oh, I wonder how long so they're going to kill that. 
Um, and then, like, the film, you know that the film is going to build to this, like, climax of him getting revenge on these nerds. It just takes fucking ages to get there, doesn't it? And it doesn't really happen until the last ten minutes. Um, I mean, the last ten minutes are fucking brilliant, but you have to kind of sit through about an hour and 20 minutes of kind of um, stuff. I just didn't really enjoy the film until the last 10. What about you? Yeah, kind of, this movie meanders a lot throughout the middle of it. Um, I I mean, there's a a lot of things that I do quite like about it. I I don't really understand the the idea of anything to do with the computers in this movie because I'm thinking (laughs) what it was like in 1981 and computers were not like the computers shown in this Nice. Like by a by a long fucking way. I was born in eighty one. Let's put it that way, and it was years before I saw a computer. Um, I think, sorry, I think when I I probably got a similar computer to that when I was about ten. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it seems quite strange. Um, the movie does take a very long time to tie up what we see at the beginning to any sort of of kind of. There's no. There's no pathos let's put it that way for for the the satanic imagery at the beginning of the movie to to the end of the movie it does it feels like it bookends it it's almost like they've made one sort of movie and they've bookended either side with some some satan stuff and um i think that kind of detracts from it uh this movie is incredibly harmless like really harmless, I think it's painfully harmless. I think and the most harmless one of the that we've seen so far. Yeah, it, it it so feels like it should not be even. It so feels like it should not be getting discussed on this show. No, I mean for me, this is the epitome of of highlighting just what a farcical kind of situation these films are in. Yeah, because the fact that this is has literally got to the point where it's been is facing obscenity charges and if you if you're found with this video in your shop you could potentially go to prison it's yeah. just fucking mental well this is this is what confuses me because th- yeah this movie is a prosecuted title the ones yeah. we're doing just now are the prosecuted titles yeah, totally. so you know people went to court over these sort of things people were charged over these titles well do you know what happens right for for a film to be to get on the on the first 39 list it literally has to be shown to a panel of jurors and they decide whether it should be prosecuted or not yeah so 12 people watched this and they all agreed (laughs) that it should be on the list (laughs) who are the 12 like who who are they morons 12 morons clearly it terrifies me at the thought that I ever have to go up in front of a jury for anything in this country because the general public, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. Like for me, this out of all the films we're probably gonna see as well, this one is the most ludicrous. Like, yeah. I don't, I, it shouldn't be on there. I mean, I know we're kind of skipping to the end of what you know. I it's think fantastical. it's fantastical. It yeah. should not be on the fucking list. It's, it's a fantastical movie. Uh, while while some of the other ones we've seen are kind of rooted in some level of realistic horror or realistic um, kind of grindhouse or um, exploitation. This one isn't. This one, to me, feels like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. 
Um, and you sit and you watch it, and it's just a little bit too clean looking and mm. a little bit too pristine looking. Yeah. For for any sort of kind of grab that would make me think that someone would want to to the, the the thing that I would say is like you compare this movie to some of the horrific scenes that you see in the Beyond, right? Yeah. The Beyond deserves to be on the prosecuting list, and I would swap them any day of the mm. week. And once yeah. again, I'm not endorsing. A censorship or anything like that I, I don't believe in that but when you compare these two but, one is a horror movie the other one is a goofy Hollywood movie I mean you know just I mean? look just put yourself in this situation right it's probably a different bunch of people that have decided but someone's watched this and gone prosecute it someone's sat and watched the beyond and gone now nah, that's alright <laughs> don't get it <laughs> don't understand <laughs> like the, the beyond they've gone now that one's not bad enough but the one that one with Clint Howard fucking string it up like it's insane yeah I, I mean I really I, I, I don't really don't I really I, I will say this I did enjoy it I thought um, even though it has pacing issues in the middle um, there is something quirky I like 80s cinema I really do and the more ludicrous high school stuff I tend to enjoy just because it's ludicrous yeah and this movie has a kind of fun vibe going through it um, I mm. don't like the fact to kill the dog but I'm like that in pretty much any movie that kills a dog yeah. um, but I understand it's a plot device etc weird um, that isn't it why, why do people get on the arse when a dog dies and I, I kind of do as well but I don't, I don't really know yeah. why I do I think it's because, like, I think it's that that rooted things that you know, dog is man's best friend. You know, dogs are friendly animals. It's the innocence of an animal. Yeah, you don't eat dog. Well, we're, we're not aware. Maybe, maybe you've had a Chinese or two, um, which has had dog in it. I don't know. Uh, but you know, you don't you don't eat dog. Well, if you see like a pig die or a cow die. Or, or something like that. There's a kind of on some level, it's a you know, this is for food sort of thing. Even if though if they kill them, uh, not for that intention in a movie. There's that in the background that you will eat chicken, wheat. You know, that's weird though. Because why don't we eat dog? Because some countries do. Like I think we've got a really strange attitude in Britain towards animals, and it is it's a culture thing, isn't it? Because yeah, what's the difference between killing a pig, killing a dog? Apparently, a pig is like quite an intelligent animal as well so if, you, uh-huh. if you're kind of going on an intelligence basis if you find it easier to kill something that's less intelligent pigs are pretty intelligent yeah. and, I, and i get it as well because i if when someone kills a dog i think oh fucking hell don't kill don't kill the dog like it's worse than killing a child for me yeah it's <laughs> worse than watching a kid die really yeah. strange and i kind of don't really know why that is i try and fight it in my brain but i think i'm so conditioned living in Britain like we're it's so, a cultural yeah it's cultural yeah, it's totally a cultural thing I mean I mean movies have like I have went from enjoying movies to fuck this movie fuck this director you know if you know you know if something bad happens to you know like a dog on screen yeah. one of the reasons I, I really enjoyed John Wick I mean really enjoyed John Wick yeah. is because it's the first movie I've seen ever that I think of where a character's dog dies and then the character goes out and reaps fucking so much badassery on anyone that was even fucking rem- slightly remote to the guy that killed his dog. And Good, like that. And, oh, yeah, that's what I'm, in the back of my head, I'm like that. That's what I would do if you fucking touched one of my dogs. I would, get my, I would go through to my garage, which doesn't exist. I would take my sledgehammer, which I don't own. I would smash it through the concrete and bring up the case full of guns, which I don't have. And then I would <laughs> unreak unholy fucking vengeance using my martial arts skills that I don't have on all these Russian mobsters, which don't exist where I am. So, yeah, yeah I mean... <laughs> awesome. I'm, 
I'm but do you know what? I did. I really, I did really like that film, right? I just, I did. I had a bit of an issue with the style, of the way he was killing people. It looked more like a ballet. Yeah, a killer and that was kind of cool. But the, my only problem with it is, right? I, I appreciated it in John Wick, and I uh-huh. thought that's a really interesting kind of different way to kill people. Yeah. I imagine there's going to be an absolute fucking waterfall cascading of... Of movies pop, doing that. Of yeah. movies now using that style. But, I, but to me, that didn't feel all that far removed from... Have you ever seen Equilibrium? Yeah, I didn't well, like that's Yeah, that's basically what they do in that movie. They yeah. go around using Tai Chi art, you know, shapes to, mm. to use to fire their guns. So it just kind of felt like a, a more smoother version of that. Yeah, like, um, almost like when the new James Bond came out with Daniel Craig, it's that style of fighting, isn't it? Like yeah. that really quick, no messing, which is the way you would fight. You know, yeah, in a film you, you don't have a fight where you hit someone <laughs> 30 or 40 times. If you're a trained, you know, 007 agent, you're going to try and take someone out in one shot, and if you can't, you'll take them out in two or three. Yeah, that's, it. that's how these people are trained. They're trained to take down the enemy quick and move on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, all moving, I mean, that pretty much says everything about evil speak that we need to say. Yeah. We've, we've found that we're, we're finding ourselves drifting off to John Wick. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, made me laugh. Let me just say this right, about Clint Howard. I thought, you know, at the end when he looks all mental, I thought, did he deliberately comb his hair forward throughout the first, like, hour and 20, just so at the end, when his hair's all skyward, he looks proper mental? Because he does. <laughs> he looks properly, like, he's because he's, he's got such a massive forehead, but he covers it up for the first bit of the film, and then when his hair's all, like, wild, yeah, it's made me piss. He looks like the guy from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really weird one. Uh, yeah, it's one of these ones that... Like, cause I seen this one before, um, and then I watched it recently again because they covered it on Kiss the Goat, a fellow okay. podcast on Horophilia, and you need to, if you've not heard it, go and check out X and Cootie talking about this movie because they yeah, do we... the review of that movie far more justice than we do. Well, uh, I've been deliberately any any like other podcast that's been reviewing a film we're reviewing. I've been waiting until we've done it and then going back and listening. Like it's a sensible and, move. Yeah, like I went and listened to Mike Murphy. Um, do his one of Cannibal Holocaust. I thought that was a really good review. So yeah, I'll definitely go and check out uh, Jeffrey's one now. Yeah, they said about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, as, as, like I say, they, they they handle it with far more finesse and focus than we do for this one. I just can't. I just can't feel the the. I can't muster up the energy to spend so much time trying to dissect a movie for the video nasties podcast that we have. Yeah. When I just genuinely think that this movie is so far removed from everything. We've seen in any of this. This movie is so harmless; it's unbelievable. Let's um, just uh, do a quick nod to the. It's just an honourable mention, I think, for the practical effects. At the oh end. yeah, last ten minutes were fucking brilliant. Um, something that's sorely missing, I think. And just going off on a quick tangent, I'm, I've just I watched Walking Dead, like the uh, the first episode back after their kind of mid season break. Uh-huh. Which I didn't think, which I didn't fucking think was very good, and I think there's more and more CGI. They're using less and less practical effects in The Walking Dead, and it's doing my head in. Yeah, which is surprising because Greg Nicotero's like heavily involved with that. And directs Nicotero. a lot of them, and I don't. Yeah, understand. he comes from a special effects background, so I don't he's like, that. yeah, he's like one third of KMB. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, complete your strengths, dude. <laughs> because Walking Dead season one was like fucking. It was it was some of it was groundbreaking some of the stuff they were doing. Yeah. And now every time Michonne, like every time they stab someone through the head or something, it's it's bad CGI and it's not even good CGI and it's fucking annoying me because and, and it just makes me appreciate a film like this so much better. Yeah. Because I know practical effects 
probably take a lot more time and stuff, but it's great. Like the I, pee off's I, better. I do an air punch when I see special <laughs> effects, like the ones I saw in the last 10 minutes of this. And they're a bit ropey. They're not even like perfectly executed effects, but just the fact that they're practical makes me go, yeah, like, brilliant. <laughs> I want to see more. So for me, like this film is elevated higher than it should be in my mind because of the practical effects in the last 10 minutes. They're great. Yeah, I think we get. I think that's the, the once again the beauty of doing this show is the era that all these films came out in, as you know, as it kind of predates even early CGI. Yeah, um, which in a lot of ways is is a bonus because like it, it can work so many different ways. Also, it does mean though in certain instances when they can't recreate something, they just kill an animal uh, for real. <laughs> Which yeah, uh, uh, is yeah. questionable. But uh, yeah, yeah, so I mean, uh, dare I ask, is this a, is this another slap in the wrist then? No, it, it doesn't even get that. <laughs> You've got to give it something. You've got to give it one of the three. Well, I'll have to give it that then. But it's not even getting that. I'd I'd I don't know. I'd just give it a poke or something. Like, it doesn't even deserve a slap on the wrist because a slap a on the wrist. The ribs. <laughs> yeah, fucking ribs. Because a slap on the wrist indicates that it's done something wrong, and it hasn't. Yeah. It's done nothing. So, yeah. if this was out today, it'd be a fifteen certificate. Yeah, you know what I mean. It'd, you know, it'd be a film that kids could watch. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a slap on the wrist, and it's it's definitely not on the list. Yeah, I'm I'm one hundred percent with you. This is slap on the wrists. Um, if we could go lower, I would I would advocate that, but we can't. We should have set something out of that at the start. We need yeah. to be consistent. Um, uh, late. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and uh, de- definitely did not deserve to be on the list. Now, if you are taking count of what we've already discussed with our previous two movies, you must be thinking, wait one second, is Doing the Nasty about to release an episode with a movie which doesn't have a rape in it? Definitely not. <laughs> and you, you would be thinking to yourself, wait one second, they've done it, they've finally achieved the unachievable and they have an episode minus rape. I've got well, the guess what? ready. Yeah, guess what? Uh, our next movie does. So we we will one day we will have an episode where rape doesn't get mentioned. So Andy. close, so close, so close. Um, so we're going to take a very short break. You're going to hear uh, another promo for show on the network. You're going to hear some learned folk talking about our next movie from 1976. It was called Expose, um, and believe it or not, Andy, the only movie on the video nasties list that was actually filmed in Britain. Yeah, we should be proud. We should, well, should we? Well, no. we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We're going to be right back to talk about that movie right after this. There are many mysteries in this world. And whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained where the paranormal is normal and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. The real reason why this got pounced on by the DPP was because of the rape scene with Linda Hayden being attacked by two thugs. Those two thugs were played by Carl Hellman of Brushstrokes TV sitcom fame and Vic Armstrong, who would later on become, well, James Bond's biggest stunt coordinator of choice. Originally titled The House on Straw Hill, it's 
got quite an arty look about this movie. There's some really nice shots in this. Uh, um, very much of the day, of course, but you can see a definite Euro sensibility going on in the background. And that's one of the reasons why Udo Kier, uh, the German star, uh, appears in it as the lead author. Um, Udo actually told me many years later that Expose taught him one of the biggest lessons he ever had in his life. There was a point where Brian Smedley Aston, the producer, one of the reasons, by the way, why two of the characters are called Smedley and Aston, came to him and said, look, we haven't got any money, we can't pay you, would you, look, would you prefer to take the Japanese video rights instead? Well, of course, Udo should have said yes, because he would have made a fortune, but he didn't. He stuck his guns and said, no, I want to be paid. They finally got the money together, but he said from that moment on, he was always asked to sort of be paid up front by the producer. And that's the lesson he learned from Expose. <laughs> Welcome back. So it's time to talk about our final movie review of the show. This one was originally named Trauma from 1976. It was retitled Expose mm. um, for some reason. And uh, House on Straw Hill, which I get the feeling they were trying to play on the movie Straw Dogs. I'm not yeah. entirely sure, but there was a kind of really... It's almost this movie is like Straw Dogs. If Straw Dogs was directed by one of the guys that directed a Carry On movie, <laughs> yeah, it's kind. Yeah, <laughs> he, he just comes in there and says, "You know what we need? We need some titties." I guess uh, we need three tons of titties. There is a, there is a massive amount of titties in this movie. So yeah, this movie came out like I say, nineteen seventy six. Um, it was directed by James. Kenneman Clark. Um, it stars oh, the so sexy. So oh, I love this guy. Udo Kier's in this, just doing the Udo thing. The blood of these horses is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say one of the women then. Oh, so sexy. Udo Kier. Hold on a minute. Yeah, well, it's uh, yeah, it's well. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, you know I mean, it's Udo. Didn't even recognise when I said to uh, to Rachel. She went, who's that then? I went, Udo Kier. And I got up a photo of him when he's about 17. She went, oh, him. It doesn't help that they've horribly dubbed him. No. And taken away his German accent. Yeah, I know. Which yeah, is a travesty. If I could go back in time and meet that director, I would slap him in the face. You do not dub the, the Udo. Udo What's deserves that? to have the voice like this. The blood of these horses killing. 
legendary voice. So I don't dub him. There's got to be a version somewhere where it's really him. Oh, I hope so. Down. I hope so. That's the version I want to see because it'd be yeah. so out of place than his weird English accent. So yeah, the synopsis <laughs> for for uh, for this movie, uh, as listed on IMDb, is a paranoid writer played by Kier is unable to get started on his second novel. He hires a secretary, um, and then his troubles really begin. Mm. So, um, yeah, this one's a weird one, right? A weird one in that it's not very long, and not a lot happens. It's too long, <laughs> to be honest. It's fucking too long. It's, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think the film is too long. I just think they could have done more with it. Mm. I just I feel that there's a, there's a lot of women playing with themselves on beds. Yeah, mental. Um, happens about three or four times, I think. Yeah, and it's you know, and I have nothing against that. No. As a, a red-blooded man, I have nothing against that. I believe that masturbation is for both the male and female of the species. Andy, I'm just putting that out there. True. Um, <laughs> Duncan's preaching, <laughs> um, but <laughs> there's so much. Testify. All <laughs> oh, my brothers and sisters. When oh, good Lord, somebody say amen. Oh, amen. Uh, the, I don't know why we've went off on this tangent. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's a really interesting story in this movie, and I just feel that we, we never really get to the bottom of it nah. at all. We dance about it so much um, that... I don't understand. I, I I am very much aware that the company that put this this movie out was known for their kind of adult comedies and all the rest, and this was them moving over into doing the the kind of more gritty right. style of movies. Okay. Completely understand that, yeah. but there's a, a disconnect between what story is trying to be. Uh, put over in this movie and what we actually get um, and on some level that is I mean that's a that's a huge black mark against the movie um, because basically what we have is we have a, like a story which is kind of twofold here we have this this writer who is like like it says in the synopsis struggling to to write his second book his first book has been a pretty much a success, but he wants to get the second book out to to you know really kind of keep the momentum going, um, and we we're kind of wondering why he's struggling. He's obviously, from what we gather, quite a successful writer. Yeah. Why he's struggling to write this? Um, and I between think the that, murder suicide episodes that he keeps having probably aren't helping him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of really fucking weird. <laughs> and then on the other hand, we have the secretary who. Is overtly sexual. Mm. Um, who is out one day walking in the field and raped yep. by a couple of guys who have a shotgun who she somehow manages to get the shotgun off the guy, kill one of them. I don't know and, what happens. <laughs> yeah, I d we don't know what she does to the other dude because his face is all bloodied, so you would assume he'd been shot in the face, but it's a shotgun, so yeah. technically his head shouldn't be there, right. which confounds me even more when he appears at the end of the movie because there's been a couple of days passed since then and I would imagine he would have bled to death. But anyway, anyway, yeah. let's not... You know, like, have you seen um, The Equaliser? Yes. When he does that awesome thing where he, like, hits the gun with the, like, the inside of both of his hands and he, like, flips the gun round. 
Yeah. Did she do that? Like, I don't know how she flips a shotgun on the on its on the gun holding it. She's kind of she's kind of suggestively stroking the shotgun shaft, right? She is actually, yeah. Like and she, then, but even then, it's still a fucking it's a it's a double barreled shotgun, so it's quite long. Mm. She somehow manages to get it out the guy's hands. Yeah. Turn it round, and shoot. In the blink of an eye. Which is weird. I mean, I, I is, is this technically a rape? Because I think she's consenting. Well, her face. right. I, I would say it's a rape. Now, the reason I would say it's a rape is because she's been held at gunpoint. Mm. However, I would agree with you. She's an overly sexualized character. Yeah. Um, and she seems to be getting off on this, like seriously yeah. getting off on this. Now, that yeah. could be poor acting, possibly. Who knows? Um, you know, she goes on to later star on a movie which doesn't make the list, but is a great fucking horror movie called Blood and Satan's Claw. Okay. Uh, where she does a bit of the, she gets him out in that as well. Uh, but um, yeah, so you have you have these two stories kind of overlapping, and what we ultimately find out at the end is that Udo had a writing partner or had a friend who he yeah. basically betrayed. Um, this is supposed to be the twist. Spoiler alert! This is meant to be a twist, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just and, never and, really. It's got there's no gravity to this. It's it never really. Be. It's it never really be. set up. What should uh, be set up is the fact that the reason he's one struggling with writing is because one he never wrote the book to begin with, no. and two he was the guy that led to his friend's demise. See if the flashbacks that Udo was having throughout this movie were of someone else dying. And a, yeah. you know being killed or whatever, and then from a murderer who we don't see, and then it's revealed at the very end that he was a murderer. Mm. That's a hundred times better than what we get in this movie. Because at the yeah. end, he's he's held at gunpoint, while Udo's shaking like oh, like he's he's, he's shaking Stevens like a shitty um, dog. Yeah, he's just like fucking shaking while she's got the gun. She reveals the big twist. You have, you know, you stole my my husband's script and you and all the rest. And we were like, oh no, and Udo's begging for his life and there's no cartridges in the gun. So she then opens it to look and there's no cartridges in the gun and she closes it and then tries to fire again and Udo's still standing there shaking it. And I'm like, Udo, run, run Udo. Run or grab the shotgun off her. Or, and I do not advocate male on female violence, but punch her. You got to punch her. She was going to shoot him. Yeah, just kind of putting it out there, self-defence. But um, he doesn't do that, he continues doing it. Meanwhile, the guy who was raping her appears and stabs her with a knife. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie, so the rapist is still alive. Yeah. Um, So we're quite happy the rapist is still alive. Uh, Cut to credits, really? Mm. It's it's a weird, weird movie. Like I say... in principle, I think there's a lot of it which I mean, I really I think Udo Kier is a very charismatic leading man in the movie. Yeah, I think it's hard to tell though. I mean, is he a good actor or is he just a really good presence? I, I think what yeah, I think his presence in this movie is really good. I yeah. think what detracts from the acting is the fact he's dubbed. Yeah. And the voice isn't Udo's voice. And a lot of the way he acts is through his voice. You know, yeah. when you hear him speak, he emotes really well through his voice. He's got a really interesting sounding voice and a really cool accent that you get quite a lot of depth out of performances that he's in. I mean, he will be in another movie coming up, the Frankenstein movie we're going to be talking about. Um, Udo's in that. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we'll see another performance with him where he isn't dubbed. Um, so... 
you you'll see what I mean when you see like especially like his seventies, eighties roles. He's quite an edgy fucking kind of dark, twisted little bastard of an actor. Um, there's just a lot of that gravitas taken away. It kind of feels like like Little House on the Prairie after dark. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it just kind of feels like it never really goes... It, this movie just struggles to find its identity, I think. Mm. And in between trying to find its identity and splicing two stories together which don't really go there's a lot of images of women playing with themselves. Yeah. And that's really it. I, um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I just think it's unfocused. I just okay. don't know if the director knew what he wanted to do. He's obviously seen Straw Dogs and thought this would be a great idea to, to take some of the elements of that and bring it over and try and make yeah. some sort of kind of rural horror sort of home invasion style thing. But it's, it's handled terribly. And then at the same time, he wants to create some sort of murder mystery. Some sort of Columbo-esque mystery in here. And he doesn't know how to do that either. The mm. one thing he does seem to be able to do is very comfortably fee- uh, focus his camera on naked women touching themselves. Um, he seems to have no issue with those shots. No, he loves yeah. it. He loves all well, that. Well, I mean, what did you... I mean, you, you were bored. You told me this film bored you. Yeah, I was. I mean... When I like the synopsis makes it sound really good, and I kind of, I, I think I can't remember what Facebook page it was, but someone was posted. I think it's been released recently by one of the big, like you know, like we were talking about, like Grindhouse or something. I thought, oh, it looks really good because I've never seen it. Yeah. And then like the synopsis makes it sound really intriguing. You know, like this guy hires a secretary, and, and it all his, his life kind of all goes tits up, and it doesn't really. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't really live up to what the, even the, it doesn't live up to what the synopsis leads you to believe it's going to be because his life doesn't really go to shit when she turns up. <laughs> Nothing really happens. He doesn't really have anything to do with her. Like, so it's like, well, that's not true. What you, like, the synopsis is a bit of a misleading... Reckoning. Yeah. So, you know, it, it only really goes tits up right at the end when she reveals she's the husband of this guy who he supposedly plagiarised and that's the end. Like, you know, I was expecting this thing where she, you know, she starts doing crazy shit and she's fucking with him and all this, and it, it just never really pays off. There's like, there's no tension in this film, and there should have been. Like, the rape scene's just out of the blue, and then she randomly just blows the guy's head off. Like, it's not like, I don't know. You could have had a thing where she's like masturbating, like watching him or getting her kicks off something weird, or yeah. but it's not. It's just her just laying there, thrapping herself off just for the indulgence of the director, just so he can <laughs> film a woman masturbating. And I think, well, just go and watch some porn. If it's like yeah. it had no bearing on the story, it didn't really add anything to her character because that's just a normal thing for a woman to sometimes do. It's not a weird. Do you know what I mean? They could have yeah. made that interesting. And they could have made that a bit sinister, but they didn't. It was just, I'm just going to show her doing that for a bit, and I'm going to show it about three or four times. Like, yeah. So everything That's... just really fell flat for me, and and I knew it was going to culminate to something, and I kind of guessed, you know, something was going to happen at the end. And there's just no payoff. Like, I'm just not interested. I don't care that he stole the thing off her husband. Like, there's nothing to make you care. Yeah, it's not set up. It's not. Man. It's not set up at all. There's no setup, so there can't be a payoff. Like for the, you know, for, for there to be a good payoff, there's got to be either an incredible twist where you never saw it coming. This yeah. is just, eh, all right, okay. Is that that? That's what it is. Is it like oh, okay? 
I just was I was just fucking bored with this one. Like, yeah, I just uh, I think I was just expecting it to be something else. And when I saw like Udo Kier in it, and I just thought, oh, this might be good. She's going to be really like fucking Glenn Close, and she was. I mean, she was a bit fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah. but just nowhere near as nuts as she could have been. Like, I just think it's a bit of a wasted opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's you spend so much time kind of focusing on on the, the the sexuality of her character. They don't focus on the fact that she is mentally traumatized. No. And and that you know, there's so there's just small things that could have done in this movie, in my opinion, could have made it far more sinister, far more cohesive, yeah. and just a better movie. Mm. Um, and they don't do it. And um, I don't know if you know this. This movie has been remade. Yeah, um, I think I've seen it. Have you? Because I, I I I almost shat the bed when I uh, heard that it was directed by Martin Kemp. I know it's been on the horror channel. And it isn't very good, and I don't really know why they're calling it a remake because it's not really, it's not really similar. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's some similarities, <laughs> but yeah, it made me piss. Martin Kemp, for anyone, any of the American listeners, Spandau Ballet. Yeah, he's the guitarist in Spandau. He's the guitarist in Spandau Ballet. I mean, to be honest, he's done a lot of good stuff. I mean, he's in the Cray Twins. He's um, brilliant in that movie, though. That movie's in, a fucking. In EastEnders, movie. which is basically like probably Britain, one of Britain's oldest running sitcoms. It's just, I think, celebrated its 30-year anniversary. He was in that for quite a long time, and he kind of went out with a bang. He got killed. Um, and he was good in that. I liked him in that. I mean, I'm not, I don't watch EastEnders anymore. <laughs> but I, used <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was wondering where you were going yeah, with that. <laughs> um, I used to watch EastEnders like, when I was younger, and I used to enjoy like, the drama and stuff of it. But um, Yeah, and he's turned his hand to acting. So it's only amusing because he was in Spandau Bally, but I think he's quite a legitimate like, actor and stuff. It's just that isn't a very good film. Yeah. This isn't a very good film, and the remake, which is, I think, a pretty loose remake, isn't particularly good either. So, I mean, I'd check it out if you're curious, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend the remake. It's not great. <laughs> right, so let, let's bring this in then. So yeah. I'm, this is once again is a slap on the wrists uh, because there isn't really a grade law. And t- right, the, I mean, when we look at it, there is there is rape, although it's not handled particularly well. No, um, there is murder in the movie. It's not handled particularly well. No, uh, and there is uh, graphic scenes of sexuality from the era, mm. which isn't handled very well. So yeah, it's a it's a slap on the wrist. I don't think we can go any further than a slap on the wrist. And yeah, I, once again, didn't deserve to be on the list. No, um, I mean, like I think I said in a previous episode, I decided in my mind that if there was any kind of rape in a movie, it would have automatically got a uh, uh, some custom uh, customer service, some community. <laughs> Some community <laughs> service. Your call is important to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please hold. Um, but obviously, like I said on the previous episode as well, it's still got to be effective and, and you know difficult to watch. And a woman kind of laying on the floor, you know, sexually caressing a gun while she's like, it looks like she's enjoying the sex. I mean, I tell you what, and this is I'm just something that's. Uh, that I remembered, like, Udo Kier's girlfriend in this, if somebody was pulling those faces and making those noises while I was having sex with them, I would call an ambulance. <laughs> That's weird. I don't know what she's doing. Like, <laughs> it's just strange. So, um, anyway, back to the rape. The rape is it, it, it's, it's not a disturbing thing. No, it's a, it's, a guy's, it's a guy's hairless arse 
on top of a, a fully clothed, yeah, a fully clothed woman. Yeah, who seems to be enjoying it. I mean, there needs to be something disturbing. It needs to be some kind of like violence. There needs to be her. You know, if, if she's traumatized, I'm traumatized. You know what I mean? You, you kind of if the you know if there's something with that the actress is doing to make me go, oh fucking hell, that's awful. But there's not. There's nothing. It doesn't evoke any kind. Of, it's just more. It's more just like a sex scene than a rape. Yeah. Um, so yeah, slap on the wrist for that. Um, and it no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be on the list. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. So, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're closing out the show after these messages from fellow podcasters. We'll be back right after this. The Nanoazer is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Bananoazer. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananoazer Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man. I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah. uh, Our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man. We should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube... Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Wazer is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. No. Banana laser wins every time. And welcome back. So you've heard our three movie reviews of this evening. Hope you've enjoyed them. Um, I check. Do you check all these films? I definitely check out Driller Killer. Um, yeah. Evil Speak. Just for the last ten minutes of great practical effects, I'd recommend. Um, and for me, I probably wouldn't bother with Expose. This, I mean, like we said in the beginning, this is the only British film to make the list. It's oh, disappointing, massive. isn't it? Really, when you think about it. It. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a British film. No. I think that's the thing. It, it feels like it doesn't feel that far removed from how tonally awkward Cannibal Man was. <laughs> it feels like. Did you, see, did you watch the trailer for Cannibal Man? Because I edited it right, right, right down. Yeah, it's epic. It's, <laughs> on, for, it's on for like a year. <laughs> it's mental. It's like well over three minutes. It's longer like, than most of our podcasts, Andy. It is. And, and and the way the guy is saying Cannibal Man, it's like it's some kind of nature documentary. Will you be victim to the Cannibal Man? It's just fucking lame. Yeah, it's like, it kind of feels like almost. It kind of feels like it spiritually would sit up quite well alongside Cannibal Man. Yeah. If you know what I mean, it just kind of. I think Cannibal Man's a better movie, but I kind of feel it would sit quite well with that. And with you, Driller Killer is a must. I think everyone should see that movie. I think um, it's weird. It's strange. It's not graphic or horrendous or 
even none of the movies tonight got more than a slap on the wrist and none of them ended up on what we would class as our list so that says pretty much everything about them Jolly Killer was the only one out of the three that I think legitimately feels like a really you know a really good piece of horror cinema yeah. um, whereas Evil Speak kind of feels like a good bit of studio horror if you know mm. what I mean uh, for a cheesy 80s studio horror and Expose just feels like a, a chance for a director to see some titties yeah. um, or as Johnny Krug would say titties um, so yeah uh, yes that's another three down mm. off the list we are we are kind of building up a bit of momentum now we, we are, are yeah we are pretty much at the halfway mark um, well almost at the halfway mark of the prosecuted mm. list already there are some heavy heavy hitters still to come and next week's show is doozy with a uh, faces of death oh yep. goody a mm-hmm. uh, fight for your life and Udo Kier making a return in Flesh for Frankenstein. This um Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Yes, yes, it's Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. So yeah. um very much I've seen that one before, but very much looking at forward to it again. Haven't seen Faces of Death and haven't seen Fight for Your Life either, so mm-hmm. um it will be interesting to see where it goes. Um yeah, I'm 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 keenly Keenly looking forward to seeing if, at the end of this one, do we have another... Does Faces of Death become another title to make the list, Andy? I mm. mean, this could be this could be quite interesting. Stay tuned to find out. That's, a yeah, that's, that's the only one we can find out. Um, so, I think what we, we said we were going to do, and I think it's probably right to do this, is to thank the people that have been downloading the show. Uh, Horophilia posted its February downloads... And um, doing the nasty took uh, positions number eight and ten. Yeah. And the top ten downloads for that month, which is fucking insane. Mm. Yes, we're so new as well, aren't we? It's great. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're new. We're both podcasters from, you know, not from that network. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and so uh, you know, it's and I've had so many well wishes. I like to do a personal shout out to Alex Edwards. Of the skeleton crew and unlistenable assholes, uh, for for actually coming on and saying, you know, you guys are doing a great job, just keep it going. And I, that that to yeah. me, because he's like, he, as far as I'm concerned, he's one of my peers when it comes yeah. to. He's one of the guys that I looked to for inspiration when I started my show yeah. podcast under the stairs. So, uh, you know, if Alex gives you the thumbs up, you're doing something right. Mm. So, and um, all the support we've been getting from Jason. Jason Lloyd's fucking fantastic. I mean, that man is juggling God knows how many shows over there, plus his own shows, plus his reviews and all the rest. Um, that I, I can't thank him enough for giving this show a home. I mean, even only six episodes in, I kind of feel like we're, we're, we're established. Yeah, it's um, awesome. yeah, really yeah it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. So, and um, yeah, I, we also, uh, where possible, where I've been seeing them, I've been recently posting to the the Facebook page um, movies that were on the nasties list that are getting the old uh, Blu-ray treatment. Yeah. So quite a lot recently, actually. Since we, I would like to think it's because we've been doing the show. That's it's people, us. Have, <laughs> yeah, it's totally it's, it's, people have remembered <laughs> to go check them out. So uh, yeah, so um, this week it was announced by Grindhouse uh, releasing that they're doing uh, Cannibal Ferox. 
Um, yeah. Code Red and the States are doing house on the edge of the park. Yeah. And uh, obviously last week, it was uh, sorry, two weeks ago, it was announced that um, Arrow in the UK and the US are putting out uh, Islands of Death as well. So Island of Death's making its way out there as well. So tons of uh, nasty things getting the Blu-ray treatment for you to spend your hard-earned pennies on. The only way you can keep up to date with what's getting released with these things and to see the movies when we post the links is to be on our Facebook page. Yep. I think that's like essential, isn't it, Andy? Oh, totally. Come and join the page, yeah, definitely. And it's, it's got the fun. links up as well. It's worth mentioning, like on uh, doing the nasty pages, the links to all the films, so you can watch them for free before you hear us talking about them, or after, whichever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I think, and we have a couple of guys over there who are uh, who are being quite diligent and uh, and going through the misery with us. Yeah, <laughs> we, they are, yeah. We, we appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> we really do. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, just thanks very much. Now, before I go, Andy. Mm. I feel that we need to pimp two things before yeah. we pimp our, our other shows. Oh, the yeah. first thing I think we need to pimp is the fact that me and you did a Legion quickie. We did. Yeah, and, and that's uh, doing quite well on the downloads as well, isn't it? It is. It's surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly doing quite well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, we... quick one. Um, just yeah. what we're talking about, because obviously it's it's on clown, isn't it? Um, on this other on this other Facebook page I was following, somebody sold their sealed version of the Red Box edition of Clown for sixty two pounds on eBay. What the fuck? Yeah, that's how much they're fetching. Easy fifty plus, and the one that someone posted up it went for sixty two. I really wish I'd bought two. Yeah, me really too. wish I'd bought two. I was going to buy two and then give away one as a a, a prize on my show, and I should have fucking done it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we did a review for Legion uh, podcasts. Uh, it was a very quick review, fourteen minutes, non-spoiler, and we we talk about how much we actually really enjoyed that movie. Mm, good, really liked yeah. it. So you should go and check that out. But the big news to close out this show is that a certain big horror and little podcast dropped an episode. The first episode <laughs> in what five months, four months? Uh, it's not that long. Three. Are or you four? sure it's March? Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe four months. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's closer to five, but um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> not that, not that I was counting, Andy. Right. And uh, I got a chance to listen to that one, and well done, sir. I really enjoyed that episode. You, yeah. um, you did Jewel Justice, and that's a movie that is criminally overlooked. I don't understand why it's fucking I, yeah, awesome. Done. Don't know, I think people just, they just don't look at it. They just, yeah. when they hear Spielberg, they think of all the other movies and they sometimes forget that he directed that one. Mm. So, yeah, it was excellent. So you should go and check that out. Yeah, cheers, um, definitely, you know, like, people should go and, like, that show was really fucking good and it was cool hearing, I mean, you talked about The Thing on that show. It's arguably okay. the greatest horror movie ever made. Yeah. Uh, you know, just dropping that in there as if it was nothing. Uh, and I really liked your new segment as well, which oh, is for all the, 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 the audio folk out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Is my new thing. Just talking about how good some Blu-rays can sound, because everybody kind of talks about how good the picture quality is on Blu-rays, but they can fucking sound amazing. Case in point, right? I watched Into the Storm. Have you seen that? Not yet. No. Fucking shit. But <laughs> in surround sound, it sounds fucking amazing. Like it's, oh, it's incredible. Like I, I, I. I this is how bad the film was. I've never seen it before. I was skipping through it, 
to get to the storm scenes because it was that bad. It's like, it's just terrible. There's not really any plot. The characters are bad. The acting's naff. They basically blew their wad on the special effects. Yeah. But, oh my God, like the bass is thunderous. Like, it's just incredible. Like, if you're into stuff like Twister, it's just like a really amped up version of that and it sounds amazing on Blu-ray. So they're the kind of things I talk about, just how good a Blu-ray can sound. So that's kind of my new thing. I can get lost in that. I'm doing, going on now. So, yeah. So, and there, I listened to your show today, which was awesome. Oh, I'm a week behind. So I've got, I think it's your Johnny Krug show. Oh, the, the Krug show is fucking epic. I'm listening to that tomorrow at work. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And the one that's just been, um, was great as well, talking to the guy doing the Midnight Horror Madness that I believe you're going to. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to this weekend. Um, Is it this weekend? Oh, yeah, man. Th- this Saturday, starting at 11 p.m. Finishing at 8 a.m. Fucking lineup, right? It's like <laughs> it's, it's it's films of my childhood. Like the films, yeah. the films that got me into horror. It's the thing. Child's Play. I can't remember what the other one was that made me. Uh, it's Halloween. There's Halloween. Yeah, Halloween three. three. I was like, oh man, I can't. And Slugs, which is the follow-up from the guy that directed Pieces. Yeah, from the Sean Hudson book, and like yeah. the, some of the, the the practical effects in Slugs are fucking awesome. There's so one more movie still to be announced. Always announced a mystery one, and from okay. the conversation I was having with them, I get the feeling it might be Scanners. Oh. Uh, and I just want to stress all these movies are on 35 mil 35 mil yeah like, you talk, like that's an, if, if you're intrigued about that like on Duncan show they talk about how he basically has to find these prints like mm. he owns pieces doesn't he because he couldn't find one he anyway, does so he oh, bought I've one. seen this that cut as well it's fucking amazing yeah awesome and he has to like ship these in from America and just has to get hold of these 35 mil prints that they don't exist anymore you know they're floating around but like there's no way of reproducing these so he only gets hold of these movies by collectors and basically just fucking bidding on eBay for them and stuff, doesn't he? And, oh, man, so jealous that you're going to get to see them films and their original thing and their original, you know, as, as the director intended. It's uh, it's going to be epic. So yeah. you fill us in next episode about that. I will do if I've, if I've recovered. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yes, so so the, the way to check out those shows, you can check out Big Horror and Little Podcast by going to Legion Podcast. It's exclusively hosted over there, so check out that show, Podcast Under the Stairs. Um, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, um, or on Legion Podcast Network. Andy, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please? Goodbye, listeners. See you next week for some Faces of Death. Uh. <laughs> Yay, I think. Right, uh, until then, please take care of yourselves. Thanks very much for checking out and supporting the show. Until next time, bye everyone. Bye. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.